This is episode 437 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Giardia, the most common waterborne infection. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, I want to invite you to a free video lesson on three ways to get started in food storage. This free video lesson will help you get your pantry prepared so you always have food in your home. This free lesson includes three downloadable worksheets along with links to other articles and resources if you want to take a deeper dive into food storage. And for my podcast friends, I have also provided an MP3 of the lesson that is downloadable so you can listen to it on the go. To sign up for the free lesson, click the link in the show notes. All right, guys, let's go ahead and jump into our article of the podcast. It comes to us from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You.com. And again, the article title is Prepper Med 101, Giardia, the Most Common Waterborne Infection. You know, when we think about water, and I love the way that they structured this article. It's, you know, it's not a very long article, but it gives you a lot of great information. If you are in a situation where you need to survive, and whether, guys, that's that's in your home and you are under a boil ban for whatever reason, right? You got to boil your water or whether you're stuck out in the woods or the poop has hit the fan. You know, it, you need to be aware of this, uh, of Giardia and what, you know, what is inside of, of water. And so there's a bunch of different things that can affect water, but this one right here is the one that most people are probably going to face. And so you need to know this one. You need to know how to handle it. You need to know how to take care of it. Now, um, in this article, they, of course, you know, those tell you they're not uh, doctors. And of course, I'm not a doctor either. But I did go do a little bit of research after I read this article because I wanted to provide you with something just a little bit extra. Uh, so, you know, just kind of hang tight with me if you if you would on that. But let's go ahead and jump into it because this is a very important topic. It's one of those like, yeah, do I really need? Yeah, you do need this. You need to know this. You need to know what to look for and you need to be able to know how to treat it if this happens. If, if you wind up getting some water and you get Giardia uh, because of it or some, you know, one of your loved ones gets it. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into it. I'm going to tell you there are some, you know, medical terms in here. You know how if you've been listening for a while, you know how I am with medical terms. Uh, it just kills me. So sometimes I, I even go try to look them up to make sure that I get them right. And of course, you don't always hear it, but uh, there's a lot of times where I mess up and uh, I go back and I just kind of edit those out. So uh, just, you know, bear with me here, because even if I, uh, you know, struggle a little bit, I'm probably going to wind up keeping them. Uh, but I think I'm going to be good on it. But just, you know, here we go. Let's go ahead and just jump in. We talk a lot here at 3BY about water purification. Really, though, are you likely to get cholera if you drink from a creek during a bug out or diphtheria or typhoid or a bunch of diseases you mostly only find in history books? Nope. 
unless hygiene's been bad in the area for a long time. Giardia infection, however, is so darn common that even here in nice, tame mid-Missouri, I know some kids who came down with it after swimming in our local lake. Just a touch of irony that their mom is a parasitologist. So what's Giardia? Giardia lamblia is a protestant. That makes it a single-celled organism similar in size to one of your cells. This protostand lives in the intestines of mammals. Many of the microbes that live in our guts are harmless, but this one provokes diarrhea, gassiness, and other gut malfunctions. It not only reproduces itself in the gut, but can form cysts. Cysts are basically the hibernating form, much tougher than the active microbe, but not able to do anything until it goes active again. Giardia cysts are shed in feces, and when swallowed by a different mammal, they can go active once they reach the lower gut. And guys, there's a couple of uh, just n- nasty-looking uh, pictures here of the the protozo- protostan, or you know, the microbe here that you can kind of check out. And just you know, you think about them. I mean, that's that's could be in your gut, right? It's just nasty. All right, so uh, how does one get giardia? Drinking water with Giardia cyst is the usual way to get the infection. As I mentioned above, some people have gotten it by swimming in infected waters, but they were very small people and may not have been careful to not drink the water. The insidious part of it is that it takes very little fecal contamination of water to make it infective. And guys, that's the important part there. Now listen to this. It can be a clear mountain stream melting off a glacier just half a mile away, but if an infected marmot or raccoon or person pooped by the stream side last week, drinking the water may earn you a Giardia infection. So that's pretty you know, important because a lot of the times people who just don't know, people who aren't um, you know, been, been looking at preparedness or people who don't know about water, they'll look at something like, man, that's that's pretty clear. You know, that's, that's good, clean water. Or even if, you know, you were up on the, in the mountains and you're like, man, this is like runoff from the glaciers. It's gotta be like pure, you know, pure, clean water, right? This is the type of stuff that, you know, they bottle and send you, you know, send it packing. The part, the thing is, is that just a little, you know, a little mammal, just a little animal can go and cause this type of problem. And then if you were on a mountain or whatever, then you're dealing with this infection, right? So that, that's why this is so important. Just a little bit can, can do you in. Giardia occurs in most states too, as the map below shows, nor is it limited to the United States. Giardia infection is one of the most common parasitic infections worldwide. In the cyst form, it persists somewhere for months to days, depending on temperatures, etc., it lasts better in cool, moist conditions. So there, there's a map of the United States here, and it looks like, um, I guess, Texas, maybe they don't have any information on there, or there's no cases reported to the CDC in Texas. So that's pretty pretty strange. I mean, I guess, you know, maybe it's just too warm um, when whenever they're doing this map. I don't know. But uh, there's states up to north that, uh, that don't have any re- uh, reports either. So that's kind of weird. All right, so uh, how does one not get Giardia? Consistently purifying drinking water is a great protection from Giardia. Yes, there have been cases from more casual contacts, such as my colleague's kids, 
but they are far more rare. The good news is that being a protist, Giardia is pretty big. Any filter of reasonable quality will remove it. All the other standard water purification methods, such as boiling and various chemical treatments, do it too. That's no accident. Giardia is so widespread and common that you could hardly call something a general water purification method if it didn't catch Giardia. So there's info on water purification all over 3BY, but here's a good starting point. So there's a link there if you are wanting some more information on water purification. And if you are someone who is getting into preparedness or you are, you've been in preparedness and you don't feel like you are, you have enough information on, on water purification, definitely you need to uh, start learning more about that because that's, it's just so important. So how do you know if someone's got Giardia? If a person develops yellow, bad-smelling diarrhea that is frothy with bubbles, but without blood or mucus, it probably have Giardia. The diarrhea may be a constant thing or may come and go. The person's likely to be bloated and gassy too, and the gas will smell and taste like sulfur. Weight loss and lethargy show up after a while to no one's surprise. Here's where I don't put in a photo for clarification. You're welcome. I think that's pretty funny right there. The most reliably occurring symptoms are abdominal pain and cramping, usually without fever. Since that's true of most gut disorders, it's not terribly helpful for diagnosis. Sometimes people or other animals will have and spread Giardia without showing any symptoms themselves as well. Their immune systems are controlling it well enough to keep them functioning, but not to eliminate the parasite. Such cases are relevant because of their ability to spread the disease and because they can develop symptoms at a later time when something else interferes with their immune system or their gut function. Fecal smears looking for cysts are effective and pretty easy, if I remember correctly from back in the dark ages when I did this. However, most preppers won't have the means on hand and due to fluxes in microbe populations and such, any given smear from an infected organism is only about 70% likely to show positive though, so persistence might be required. So what can you do about it if someone's got Giardia? I'm not a physician, so rather than give you medical advice, I'll just pass along information from one of my favorite sources, David Werner's Where There Is No Doctor. And guys, Where There Is No Doctor is one of those you know, books in the preparedness community that people have talked about for ages and ages, you know, ever since I know that I've started prepping. And at one point it was free online. So the PDF was free. So there was a, where there's no doctor, there's also where there's no dentist. And so, uh, there's still, you know, I think they took them, you know, all the, um, well, where it was hosted, they took it down and then they started selling it. So they started, you know, you could buy the, the e-copy or the, you know, the digital copy, or you could uh, wind up buying uh, the hard copy, right? And so if you're a prepper, more than likely, you're going to want the hard copy. So there are PDFs out there still. You can still find them, but more than likely, you're, you're probably breaking copyright uh, law if, if you're finding those out there. But just I just wanted to kind of say that. Um, and I'm going to refer to that as well when we get to the end because there's a comment that I'm going to want to read in regards to that. But uh, let's go ahead in and read here. He suggests metronidazole, trade name Flagle. 
If it's a recent infection, it's given three times a day for five days. People over eight years old get 250 milligrams, which is one tablet, per dose. Children, three to seven, half that, and younger children, one-fourth of a tablet per dose. It's not suitable for pregnant women, especially in the first trimester, and breastfeeding women on high doses shouldn't give their babies their milk for 24 hours after a dose. Giardia infections that have lasted six months or longer should be treated with doses three times as big for 10 days and quinacrine too, says Dr. Werner. So I don't know if I said that right, quinacrine or not. Okay, so quinacrine, brand name Adabrine, is another option, but not as good because it can cause headaches and vomiting. It's given at three 100 milligram doses, that's one tablet each, per day for a week. Half the dose size for children under 10. If it's being used for the long-standing infection with the metronidazole, use the same dose but give it for give it for two to three weeks. If you don't have these, well, the person's immune system sometimes wins without chemical help against Giardia. Good nutrition will help. All right, so one more section here. Pets get Giardia too. So many kinds of mammals get Giardia, both suffering symptoms and spreading the microbes. Dogs and cats are at higher risk than people. Ever try to stop a dog from taking a lick at a stray puddle when he's thirsty? Their fondness for sniffing butts doesn't help either. Cattle and other food animals also have problems with it and it can spread very well in their shared water sources. Symptoms in dogs are very like those in people. Treatment with metronidazole is used for dogs as well as people and finbendazole is used in dogs too. Dosage wasn't specified. You're supposed to get your vet to do that, which is a great idea when feasible. If it were my dog, I'd use a dose proportionate to body size using 250 milligrams metronidazole per 150 pound patient as the guide. All right, so the thing I like about the the Prepper Med series of articles on beans, bullets, bandages, and you is that there's always references. So there's uh, references from medical books that you can go and look up. And if they are if there are medical or um, links. Uh, to websites. They have those as well. But some of these are, I mean, they always seem to have medical book uh, references, which is, which is always helpful, which shows you that they did their research, right? Um, so Greg left a comment here. He says, I like Warner's work, but it is a little outdated. According to the 2018 Sanford Guide to Anti- Antimicrobial Therapy, the first line hu- human drug against Giardia is now tenidazole, similar to metronidazole, but newer and fewer side effects. The tenidazole dose is a single 2-gram, 2,000-milligram oral dose. The quinacrine is now only recommended for treatment-resistant patients. Metronidazole is still listed as an acceptable alternative treatment. Human dosage is as stated, 250 milligrams three times per day for five days. One other caution with metronidazole, don't drink alcohol while consuming it. It creates a disulfram reaction and will make you extremely ill. The dog dose for metronidazole is 7 to 11 milligrams per pound of body weight per day divided into two doses for between 3 and 10 days. And there is a link there to, I guess, the dog information 
so there you go. Those of you that uh, that are going to have this available for the, for your pets. All right, so let me go back and talk a little bit about well, where there's no doctor. The thing about where there's no doctor is, and one of the reasons why I always talk about Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's book, the, the Wilderness Survival Guide, is that, or the handbook, medical handbook, is that uh, where there's no doctor, the idea is they give you the information to get someone stable, and then the rest of it is get them to an emergency you know, hospital or care or, or wait for you know responders, first responders to 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 get to you. So if you're in the mountains or the jungle or the wilderness or whatever, do this and make them make the patient stable until real medical help can get there. And the problem is is that you know a lot of people downloaded that where there is no doctor, and th- that's all the information there. You need to go a little bit further, and uh, th- that's always my thought. I mean, my thoughts on preparedness are, yes, I want to be prepared for the short-term things. You know, I live in Houston. Y'all have heard me talk about uh, hurricanes before. You know, I want to be prepared for those hurricanes. I want to be prepared for a job loss. I want to be prepared for medical issues. I want to be prepared for, you know, defending my home. I mean, all that kind of stuff, right? But a lot of the times, my preparedness, my way of thinking is what would happen long, long term. Like if the poop hit the fan, what would happen? And so I'm looking at this situation. You know, what would happen if someone had Giardia? Because that's more than likely, that's when you're going to get it. If the poop had hit the fan and you have used up all your water filters and, you know, utilities aren't running and all of that kind of stuff and you're out and you're finding water and hopefully you are purifying it, hopefully you're boiling it, whatever. But let's just say you get super thirsty one day, you look at some water that looks pretty clean and you just don't want to take the time to to filter it or to uh, boil it and so you just start drinking it and you wind up with a giardia infection and there's no doctors no hospitals no you know uh, antibiotics or whatever around what are you going to do so i started looking up organic ways or natural ways of dealing with giardia and you know what there there's a lot of information i kind of found some websites that i might be looking at uh, here in the future to be able to share more more of their articles but uh, this one is organicfacts.net and it's 14 ways to treat giardias naturally and so of course it goes into it and i'm just going to read one one sentence here and i'm going to link to these in the show notes so uh, the most effective home remedies for giardias include the use of garlic, long pepper, uh, Oregon grape, grapefruit, beet juice, horseradish, golden seal, warm, wormwood, pumpkin seeds, coconut, onion, and birch. You can also benefit from behavioral remedies that include sanitation and intestinal flushes. All right, so that is one that I found. And uh, there was another one that I found that with 17 home remedies for Giardia. And uh, let me see here. I know one of the ones that uh, really came out that I, that I was going to point out is, is the garlic. Man, I mean, garlic is, is that one. So if you are looking at a long-term poop hit the fan situation, whatever, right? One of those things is that that you're going to want to have is garlic. Now, on that first article, uh, the way that they talked about garlic, I mean, of course, you can have all these other things, right? But the way that they talked about garlic was uh, you steep it in in water and then you wind up drinking it. The other one just talked about eating two to three cloves 
every single day. So you're going to, I mean, of course, you if you're not used to eating garlic just like that, just popping it in your mouth, that might be hard for you. But again, if you've got diarrhea and you're, got, you're, blo- you're bloating and you've got gassiness and all that, you might want to, be, I mean, you might be more than willing to try eating two or three cloves of garlic every day. So there are ways of treating things naturally. And so that's, I guess that's where my mind goes, right? It's like, I read this and this is one way of dealing with it. You know, you can go to the doctor and you get that metronidazole or whatever, whatever newer one that's out there. But in a poop at the fan situation, what do you do? You know, if you have a loved one that is sick, what do you do? And so this goes back to, you know, you want to make sure that you are, uh, gardening and you are growing things that aren't only for uh, you know f- fruits and vegetables and stuff like that but you are doing herbs and you are doing things like garlic and not just to cook with but you are doing that so that you can have something you know because garlic is just so, has an antimicrobial effect and there's just so many different different things i mean garlic is is more than that but uh, there's just so many benefits to that so that's one of those things that you want to grow and want want to try to grow so i wanted to to just share that with you uh, as i was getting to the end of that article because uh, what do we do if the poop hits the fan so guys i'm going to link to all of the articles especially this one from beans bullets bandages and you on the show notes or in the show notes like I always do. So if you want to go over there and check this out a little bit more carefully, link uh, or click on some of the links, you can do that. Of course, it's always uh, a blessing to those that, uh, you know, the webmasters and those that have written the articles when you get a chance to do that and and go visit their website. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and link that for you so you can go check that out. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 437. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to hang out with me today. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.